Okay, Chavre, here we go. Our following class um, in Mashiach and Geula probably will be for now the last class, this class, because I would like as of next week to already start to review over the laws of Rosh Hashanah as we are Mamish Vir, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, etc. Um, we are learning the Rambam and we're going to learn the final two halachas in the 12th chapter of Hilchas Malachim, which are actually the final two halachas, two halachas in the entire Sefer of the Rambam's compilation of the Oral Torah, which is a work that is not precedented. No one did it before. No one managed to do it after. The only Sefer that actually has in it the entirety of the Oral Torah. I want to give a quick intro regarding certain positions that are unique to the Rambam. Number one, number one, one of the principles of our faith is that God punishes and that God rewards. Reward and punishment. In the Torah, Torah is filled with that, right? We say this in the Shema. etc. Then the rain is going to fall. If, God forbid, for temporarily we won't keep the mitzvahs properly, then the opposite of that. And v'chahena rabbis, right? Parshas b'chol koisai. Im b'chol koisai telechu, v'es mitzvaysai tishmeru v'asisam oisam. So that says, v'nosati gishmeichem v'itam. The rain is going to fall. Rambam holds that there is no reward in this physical life. In oilam hazeh, in the physical world, and by the way, according to the Rambam, Oilam Haza includes the days of Moshiach. Oilam Haza, according to the Rambam, even includes the era of the resurrection. Rambam holds that Oilam Haba is a spiritual life. Oilam Haba, according to the Rambam, which is the end of all, the end of all will be us continuing to exist without any bodily investment. Not in a bodily world, not in an earthly world, in what we were to imagine now, Ganadin like. That will be the ultimate Oilam Haba. Only there is their reward. Rambam holds Khar Baha'i Al Moleka. Hold on. But Rambam asks on himself, how can that be? Open up a Chumash. You know, it's funny that Chumash never mentions explicitly of a spiritual world to come. Nowhere will you find it in the five books of Moses. Nowhere. Fakert, the Torah is filled with reward, and the reward that is continuously written in the Torah is physical reward. Mamish, you know, Pashas Bichokaisai, abundance. God speaks about it, He will take away illness from good health, etc., etc. So the Rambam answers that by laying out what, what is a principle in the opinion of the Maimonides. And that is that all of the rewards in the Torah are not given to us as the reward for our serving God. No, b'chlal not. All of the rewards that are written in the Torah are not rewards. So what are they? That when we choose to dedicate our lives to be in service of Hashem, we can serve God much better when we're healthy and when we're wealthy, and when it's peacetime, and when there's no pandemics, all of the all of these disturbances in the world that Amam views them, they actually they hinder our Avaita Hashem. 
So when it says in the Shema that if you listen to my mitzvahs, then the rain will fall on time and everything will be amazing. You'll have a lot of parnasa amongst good health. It's not a reward at all. It's that since God sees that we are choosing to serve Him, God will facilitate our service of Him. And how does Hashem make our Avedas Hashem easier? By blessing us begashmias. So says the Rambam. Now, many of us had heard this, and at first it might be difficult to appreciate the depth of this approach. The depth of this approach. Even though we don't, we meaning Alpi Kabbalah, based on the other opinion of the Ramban, our opinion is, is that the ultimate life will dafka be here in this physical world. We paskin that the ultimate Olam Haba is the world of resurrection. Nevertheless, the concept that the Rambam holds, that there is no schar in this life, there is no schar in the world as it is right now. I, the Torah, speaks about so many blessings. That's not reward. It's God giving us the tools to facilitate our service of Him. This is a very Yesodistic concept. It's something that is celebrated beginning with the Baal Shem Tev. Prior to, many people, Bechlal, did not think that way. And let me just share this uh, topic in a different context and you'll appreciate how great are the words of the Rambam. Let's even go al Do you know that al there is a way of serving God of self-inflicting oneself. You might have even heard people that they go into ice, into an ice mikvah or people that roll in an ant pile or all different types of behaviors that are called sigufim. You have all the Kabbalah is filled with it. Not that extreme will be fasting. When people fast, in order to bring upon themselves a certain amount of physical anguish, this was a derech of getting closer to God. It was a derech of, so to say, beating up the physical in the person, which means beating up... Um, the, the animal in the person, through, through that, the, the deeper, the lighter, the holier, the godlier part of the person will emerge because the gashmi is not strong enough when a person is beaten up to conceal it. Lamashal, Lamashal. You know, we, all of us, to one degree or the other, we're excited to serve God. Most of our challenge is that we're also excited to be in service of our animal. And there's a conflict there. And then there is the failing. And then there is the feeling of guilt. And anyways, I'm disconnected from God. So let me just give up on my godly part. And all of that uh, unhealthy way of thinking. But, but, but if, if, imagine if we would be able to live with no Yetzirah, uh, with no animal soul. Well, we'll have to say goodbye to a big part of our lives. But the upside would be amazing, right? We will have no distractions. There won't be a struggle. Right? Sadik, Sadik type life. And in order to get rid of the animal, Pashat, you know, when a person is starving, starving, the only thing they can think about is food. Well, they're thinking about food, but they're not thinking about any other taiva because they have no other taiva for nothing because they're starving. So, you know, I'll pick Kabbalah, and not only I'll pick Kabbalah, you have this in the, in the Muslim movement, and you have this in the Gemara. You have a concept of people afflicting themselves in order to get closer to God. The holy Baal Shem Tov strongly took the other side. Uh, we had all sides. Nothing began with the Baal Shem Tov. Everything began with God on Sinai. But there was another side. 
and which was underlined and celebrated Dafke by the Balshemtiv, and this is aligned with the, the Rambam. And what is the other side? Let me tell you a story. The Magad of Mezrich, the Magad of Mezrich, who became the successor of the Holy Balshemtiv, had a son that was so Ruchniyazdik that they called him the angel. His name was Avraham, and they called him Avraham the angel. He was preoccupied in davening and in learning and in ruchnius and in spirituality that he forgot to eat and he forgot to sleep. And indeed, he passed away very young. He passed away very young because his body could not keep up with his lifestyle. The, the, the Magid on the Magid's deathbed, he told every one of his Talmidim a one-liner, their unique avoidah. He told the son of Ram the Malach, remember, that a little hole in the body, he spoke to him in Yiddish, a little hole in the body is a big hole in the soul. A little hole in the body is a big hole in the soul. We're familiar with this way of thinking. In other words, if you want to be able to serve Hashem properly, if you have aches and pains and God forbid illnesses, we all know that also. It makes serving God that much harder. How can you learn Torah properly if your mind is preoccupied? How can you feel anything for God if your feelings are anguished and they are in pain and they're twisted because of tzadahs of life? There's no room for any other feelings at that moment. And, 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 and the, Ram, the, the Baal Shem Tov Shita at the time was challenged. Normally people associated Ruch Niyazdika people with people that had very little Gashmias, or more people that were afflicted. If you saw a Yid that was old, that can barely walk, filled with sodas, you would say, ah, Ruchni is like a person. If you would look at an elderly Jew and see a Yid that is wealthy and that is healthy, you wouldn't, by default, connect that Jew with Ruchnius. Many people the opposite. It used to be this way, not only at people. It used to be that when you, walk, when you would walk into a shul, in other groups that are not following the sheet of the Baal Shem Tev, if the shul was too beautiful, they would say, ah, it's not, not good, it's nish good. It's a shul, it's a house of God, what's the beauty here for? If I care you walk into a shul and it's dilapidated and the floor is broken, oh, this is a ruchni yizdika place. You see, there's no gashmias here. This was the way most Jews thought. The Baal Shem Tev celebrated the sheet of the, Baal Shem, of, of the Rambam. No. That the opposite. The opposite is, is that the more of an abundance you have, Begashmias, even though it comes with its own challenges, but the less distractions, at least potentially, you can afford not to have any distractions. You have no worries. You don't need to worry about Parnasa. If a person is healthy, they don't need to worry about illness and about getting better. And therefore, they have a lot more freedom. We have to have the maturity to use that freedom to serve God better. Even in the Rebbe's time, when the Rebbe became Rebbe, the Rebbe was the first one that began to speak publicly that, uh, that until now, the Avoidah and the challenge that God tempted Jewish people with was with the, a challenge of poverty, right? The Nesoyen of Anius. That we have to show to God that in spite of poverty, whether it is poverty, Begashmias, or poverty in health, or any other area in life where we have poverty, Begashmias, we will still serve God. The Rebbe said that as we are going into the era of Mashiach, this is in the 1950s and the 1960s, the Rebbe celebrated that now it's going to be different. Now God is going to bless us with wealth. And that comes with its own challenges. Make no mistake. But, but we have to overcome the challenge of wealth. Where was the Rebbe getting that from? 
All of that is coming into these halachas. Like, what will life be in the Messianic era? And again, don't forget that the Rambam holds that the Messianic era is not the time of God rewarding us. Nevertheless, in the Yomai Samashiach, there will be tremendous abundance of all types of brachas. And not, not as reward, not as reward. All of that is more a raya to the sheet of the Rambam that, that blessings, bigashmias, is almost a prerequisite for serving God on the highest level. Because when a person has no other pre-worries, preoccupations, then that freedom allows the person to be the person's greatest self. True, true, when there's a lot of freedom, sometimes a person, God forbid, can misuse those freedoms. In Yomai Samashiach, we won't. But the setting, the backdrop, which will enable us to reach our highest level of serving God, is a lot of abundance, begashmias. And therefore, Rambam is going to basically point out, L'shitosoi, that the Messianic era is not the time when God will reward the Jewish people. The Messianic era is not the time that God is going to reward the individual Jew. Rambam holds that there's no reward in the physical life. It doesn't mean that people are not rewarded a little bit. We say this every morning, uh, by, uh, right after we make the blessings for the Torah, there's some residual reward. There's a little ray of the schar. yes. But the real schad doesn't exist there. Ne- yet, yet, clearly, even though the Ramam holds that it won't be miraculous, it doesn't have to be a miraculous life in the times of Mashiach, but it's going to be quite amazing. And let's read it inside. Let's read it inside. Halacha hey. So I'm going to read the final halacha. says the Rambam that Bo'isa Hasman, that in the times of Mashiach, lo yisham, there will not be in the world, lo ra'av, not hunger, lo mulchama, nor war, lo kina, nor nor envy, why won't there be envy? Why won't there be envy? Or Vesachos, there won't be competition. Why won't there be that? Not because a miracle is going to happen. Ramam holds no miracles will happen. Our nature will not inherently change. Envy is only Shaykh when I see that you have something more than me. I envy you. And then there's competition. I want to get not what you have. That's already violating the Ten Commandments. But I want to get something similar to what you have. You managed to buy uh, the Ferrari. Ooh, I also want to prove that I can do it. What happens if I have 10 Ferraris and so do you? And so does everyone else. Like there are certain areas in life, even pre-Yemai Samashiach, here in America, because of the brachas of abundance, that we stopped competing about certain basics because everyone has it. Everyone has it. And when I see you having it, I don't have jealousy. So there's a certain, not that human nature has to change. When there is a tremendous abundance, there is less, uh, there's less uh, envy and less jealousy. You know, this is so true, especially for those people that lived in other countries where there's a lot more poverty. There's a lot more envy. There's a lot more envy. Not, not that everyone is envious. Some Ruchniyazdika people overcome that. But, but it's easy not to be envious when you, when you really have it all, big Ashmias. It's not because I'm such a great person, I overcame envy. I have nothing to be envious of. You know, Hasidim have, such, have a great story. There was a meal, in a wedding, and the minig was always that when we make a simcha, it's so important to invite poor people. And here it's even hard to find poor people. There are, but in Europe, in the shtetl, there were mamish aniyam, people that went hungry for a few days without eating. And when there was a chasana, when there was a simcha, food was served to all. 
So there were one of, I think it was one of our Rabbeim, or two great Hasidim that they witnessed how the meat tray was put down at a wedding. And the poor man grabbed it and devoured it. And the wealthy guy was calm and collective. And he took it, you know, with etiquette and he ate it like a mensch. So one chassid or one rebbe, let's say two, one chassid asked the other, when you look at this scene, what does it look like? It looks like the wealthy man is more refined and the poor man is like the gluten. The poor man is like the animal. He cannot contain himself. He's grabbing the food. The emiss is the opposite. The emiss is the opposite. He says the wealthy man is so magushim. He's so materialistic. By the fact, however, then, since God gave this guy such abundance that he can afford to eat meat three times a day, he's not excited with it anymore. His lack of excitement is not because he's spiritual. It's because he has it the whole time. It's available for him. The poor guy is more ruchniyazdik, but the poor guy doesn't have access to it. So when once in his lifetime he has a shtickle meat for steak for a meal, ooh, he gets excited about it. So that's what the Rambam is saying, that there won't be envy. That in itself doesn't mean that our nature will change. That it will be a result of the fact that there will be tremendous abundance. There will be so much good around. And even that which we consider now delicacies will be metsuyim. They'll be as found as dust is. There's dust or earth everywhere. Everyone has it. I'm not envious that in your backyard you have more dust than me. Maybe a person is envious that there's more square footage. But if we will all have the same square footage, so whatever, whatever. Who's even measuring which which one has a little mound and Bemela they own a little bit more earth? Who cares? It's 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 insignificant. And why is God gonna give all that goodness? That I'm not to reward us. That's not the issue. That's in order for us to serve God. Like we keep on saying that both Mashiach and the overlap, the, the Messianic era is all about us finally fulfilling our destiny. Our destiny is not to receive reward. Our destiny is to properly serve God. Our destiny is to do that which God desires from us. The reason why God created it all was in order for him to get our mitzvahs. So dafke, because God will bless us with abundance, will we be able to fill the mitzvahs, to fulfill the mitzvahs in a more complete way than when we have fulfilled it amongst poverty. And the entire preoccupation of the world, the world doesn't only mean Yidin, but as the Rebbe points out so many times, it means Goyim also, that all of humanity will be preoccupied with only the pursuit of the knowledge of God. How amazing is that? You know, today you can say that the humanity is preoccupied with finding cures. Not that no one has any other occupation. Of course they have. But when there's a pandemic and, and there is a need and the preoccupation, you know, there's occupation. We do many things during the day. But some of them for us either are very simple tasks to do. Number two, they're not that meaningful for us to be preoccupied with them. We do them to do them. Preoccupation is what, what is really important for me. What am I living for? So humanity, so when there is a lack, like if there's illness, so humanity is preoccupied with healing. Nothing wrong with that. But it's not directly an occupation with knowing God. And the same thing is on an individual level. For healthy people, getting a parnasa. We are preoccupied with it. But imagine when, and this is about to happen to us, that there's going to be so 
there's going to be so many new discoveries regarding health that we'll have it figured out. No one will be preoccupied with it. Yeah, a person can get sick, they'll go to a doctor, they'll right away get a custom-made perfect medicine that's going to fully heal them. And it's already so available for all, you're not even worried about it. Same thing with Parnassa. People will have to work. Yeah, people will have to work. But a little bit of effort will, will, will give you such great results, it's going to take away the preoccupation. So there'll be a lot of freedom. What will we do with all that? That's the beauty. This is a lot to do with the leadership of Moshiach, that we're going to become a lot more curious to understand God. And we'll begin to reawaken our desire to know God. And people will be into it. Imagine, imagine everyone being into knowing God. Not only Yidin, Yidin and Doyim, Lahavdu. And being that the whole world will be into a pursuit of the knowledge of God, Jewish people have a Ruchni is the capacity of knowing God more than the Goyim. This is not for right now, but just Bikitsa that Amam concludes. And therefore, since the whole humanity will, in, will be into searching out for God, is you, Yisrael, Chachamim, Gedel. The Yidin are going to be great Chachamim, will be wise people. And will figure out that which is currently concealed. And even later, that which will be concealed from the other nations will be something that we will get insight into. And and we will finally be able to fully grasp the da'as of our Creator to the max as it is humanly possible. And now, what's stopping us? Not that, we'll, not that we will become smarter than What's stopping us now are other preoccupations. You know, there have stories in the Gemara about two sages that they were studying and one told the other that he's unable to learn that deep because he did not know when the next meal is coming. Or that's the way it works. If you are preoccupied with anything other, it takes away some mental space. So the whole Yemaisa Mashiach, this is so beautiful. The whole Yemaisa Mashiach, as we mentioned, is in order for us to serve God better. Especially Lelambam, it's not about getting any reward. But in order for us to serve God better, like, this, we're familiar with it because that's the sheet of the Baal Shem Tov, but that's originated in the, in, in the Rambam. The, uh, blessings, begashmias, help us serve God better. Not only do they help us, but there's a certain amount of, there's a certain level that we can only get to Dafka if, Dafka when, we have zero physical preoccupations because everything is taken care of. And then we will succeed in using all that free time in knowing God, ultimately achieving a level of da'as and of a hasaga to the max of human capacity. And this is what is alluded to when it says in the verse that Hashem, that then in the era of Mashiach, the world will be filled, the world, Yidin and Lahavdul Goyim, will be filled with the knowledge of God, just like the waters covered the sea. When you look down there, you just see water. I, there's so much stuff underneath it. It's so filled with water. All you see is the water. Gavaldic. So there's a, there's a big world out there. There's many things, but they, all, they are all submerged, so to say, in godliness, which is like the water. And we'll begin to, to notice the water. Now we're not noticing the water. We're just noticing the, the stuff. But as we get, as we head further in Yemois HaMashiach, and this is, you know, there's one level and a higher level, and a higher level, we will excel in the goal, the ultimate goal, which is the knowledge of God. So concludes the Rambam. And how beautiful is it that even before or at the cusp of Yemois HaMashiach,
which is what the Rebbe celebrated. The Rebbe celebrated the importance, even when we daven, that we should be davening and wishing each other to have tremendous brachas begashmias. Not that the gashmias has any importance unto itself. It does not. That's the beginning of all evil if we make it something important unto itself. But understanding, not the way it used to be, that spirituality is connected to some sort of ailment or physical limitation, the opposite, that the more beautiful the shul, the more, be- the more greater potential of getting to know God, the more healing God gives us and the more wealth that God gives us and the more physical brachas that God gives us as God will to all of us in Yemaisa Mashiach, and that can already start now, that gives us freedom, and we have to show God that when He gives us freedom that we know what to do with it. Because the nisoyen of, of all that freedom is, is that if you have too much free time, you have more options, you have more choices that are the opposite of the good. But, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a shidduch. It's a give and take that God gives us freedom. We use that freedom to serve Him even better. And that is going to create as a, as a snowball that will be never-ending in which we'll have more more brachas as time develops is going to be greater levels of healing people are going to end up living a longer amount of time according to the Rambam even not miraculously naturally and all of that will give us more freedom and we will constantly dedicate that 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 we our new freedoms to be preoccupied with the pursuit of, of the knowledge of God good any questions Rabbi, the part where you mentioned that people um, hurt themselves for Torah. I'm sorry? Um, isn't, um, you mentioned the part where there's some Jews that um, they go in the cold mikvah or they, they hurt themselves? Yes, yes. They do see Gufim. I would say, I guess, that the Christians and the Muslims, they took everything from the Torah, they distorted it. So this is, sometimes they just made up stuff on their own. I'm sure there's a lot of that. This is something that's found in the Torah. There was a big machlekes for thousands of years, whether this is a virtue that we should embark on. Some people said, yeah. I just want you to know that the people that would fast, the concept of fasting beyond halachic fasts is something that is the Talmud is filled with. People felt that because of a misbehavior, they have to almost like punish themselves. And uh, again, the Baal Shem Tov stood very strongly against it if that self-affliction would disturb you from learning Torah and keeping mitzvahs. Because there are exceptional people that they know, this is a psychological thing, even when a person is uncomfortable, theoretically, they should still be able to function. Just because I'm uncomfortable, it doesn't mean the whole world has to, you know, go down the drain. But most of us are not there yet. So the Baal Shem Tov said that if a person who is going to fast beyond the halachic fast, if they're, won't be, if they're going to diminish any of their basics, then they're not allowed to do it. But if it doesn't diminish, then there is such an avoid. The Baal Shem Tov didn't celebrate that. By, by, in Lubavitch, there was, a, there was a family that was forever very wealthy. Forever meaning at least going back to the fifth Rebbe. It was the Gorari family. In New York, I'm going back to the earlier years, in the 1940s and the 1950s, there was a Rabbi Zalman Gorari of blessed memory, who was, a, when I knew him, he was a very wealthy Jew. He actually was the one that bought the Rebbe's house. He, he was involved. He basically bankrolled all of the Rebbe's personal big expenses. 
So Rabbi Zalman Garari married a daughter. He married into another Hasidic dynasty. I forgot that name. And in the earlier years, the Rebbe would bless him to become wealthy, and it wasn't yet materializing. His family, the Gararis, were like the, the Kennedys and Lamavich, the wealthy family, not the Kennedys with the negative, just with the, with the wealth. And um, the Rebbe once met his Rebbe, and the Rebbe told his Rebbe that stop, you, you Rebbe, stop my bracha from coming into effect. That other Hasidic Rebbe held Beshita that to become con- better connected to God, you, you can't be wealthy. You got to be poor. You got to have suffering. And there was like a, a Tzadikim having it out and the Rebbe prevailed. And he became extremely, extremely wealthy. And he was a great example of a Hasidic wealthy person. A Hasidic wealthy person, he left his house was probably nicer than your house, than my house, but he never lived in tremendous extravagance. You know, he was, uh, you know, he lived maybe a little bit nicer, but within the realm of the average. And he did tzedakah like no one did, as all the other wealthy Hasidim. But that, that was something that it took the Rebbe many years to break into. There's the famous Fabrengen on Purim. I think it was Purim, Tav Shanghai, that the Rebbe spoke about the big temptations that people have when they become wealthy. And then after explaining how difficult it is to stay from, real from, and wealthy, the Rebbe says, whoever wants to be wealthy, pick up your hand. I don't know if you heard that recording. There were only three people that had the courage to pick up their hand. And these were the three wealthy Lubavitcher families. There was a Chitrik, there was a Deitch, and I forgot the other name. And the Rebbe afterwards lamented. He says that he continuously gets letters from people crying to him that they can't make a living. Finally, he gave everyone an opportunity to pick up your hand. People didn't want to do so. Now, what the Rebbe did not mention is that he gave a whole intro that wealth comes with its own temptations. But it was the Rebbe that brought into this world this concept that Gashmias and Ruchnias should no longer contradict each other. That we are already on the level, like it will be in Yemais HaMoshiach, more Gashmias will automatically mean more Ruchnias, and not the other way around. And that's the way we daven. In other words, when a Yid davens for health and for wealth, the, uh, the ultimate tefillah is not, God, please be- bless, bless me with wealth. Don't stop in the middle of the sentence. You got to say, please, God, bless me with wealth in order for me to be able to do more good in the world. And the same thing is with health. Or even asking God to take away something negative. Because if I'm preoccupied with that illness, with that foot pain, then how can I, how can I properly do what you want? I'm, 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 I'm handicapped. Take away the handicap for me to be a better soldier. That Shita Sarambam, I know that the Baal Shem Tov celebrated that, the Rebbe celebrated that. That's something you find here. But I just to give the background to what we learned inside, is that the Rambam doesn't write at the end of Hilchas Malachim that there is no reward in this world. But the Rambam wrote that in many other places. We're just putting, the Rebbe put these two things together. To point out that when he's saying that in the days of Mashiach, there's going to be so much good, there'll be uh, delicacies like the dust of the earth. That's not a reward. That's not a reward. That, that is the cause, that's the enabler of us doing our job as Jews better. It's like a, a, a soldier is telling his officer, give me better weapons. Give me better tools. I'm your. I'm. I'm on duty. I'm working. I'm a soldier. We're soldiers. We're doing what God wants. The more brachas He gives us, the more koyach He gives us to do what God wants from us, and therefore we can serve Him even that much better. Can you interrupt the um, what you said about when it's difficult to do mitzvahs uh, because we're preoccupied with things that are going on? How can we? 
protect ourselves from that because I'm having that very struggle. I'm having such a struggle with learning and davening and seder of anything because I'm just so preoccupied in my mind. Well, we're not discussing here how to overcome it. It's a big nisayin. We are acknowledging that what you're saying is so true. And based on that truth, we have the right to ask God for abundance. Abela, most from a people, even 50 years ago, felt it's incorrect. I should ask God for abundance. I should ask God for my needs. Who am I to ask for abundance? And the response to that is, it's not who am I. It's not that I'm worthy of it. It's not about me. We're here on a mission. And it's and 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 we the Rebbe told us, so we we're going on the Rebbe's shoulders that we have enough maturity, not because of us, because of the avoida of our parents and grandparents, and for thousands of years of Jewish history, that when God is gonna bless you, that you're gonna win the lottery or you're gonna sell one of your paintings and you're gonna make millions and millions of dollars, you're gonna see, that's what the Rebbe says, that you'll you'll become a better Jew, that you're gonna do more good. That's where we're at. And that's really Yomai Samoshiach. So we're asking for abundance because not only will it not get in the way, but because, yes, I'm not going to answer your question. I want your question to stand. You're, you're making a very valid point. We have to tell God that when God will take away all of our preoccupations, we'll be better Jews. You know who loses if any one of us are suffering? God is the loser. God is losing. Why is God losing? Because... God wants me to serve him. Now, I have my responsibility to, to do the best I could. I'm not, God forbid, using that as an excuse. But, but, but we are correct. This is a certain way of thinking. And we are following the Rebbe's thoughts and we're following the Rebbe's footsteps. That we will be better Jews when we have more brachas. We will be better Jews when we have more health and more wealth. And anything that's connected to Gashmi is in greater abundance. All of that will empower us even more to pursue Ladasas Hashem. Now, to a certain level, we're proving that already. When did you have a Mitzias that a bunch of Jews, and I'm talking to you, right? Mela, I'm doing my job. I'm the lucky guy. I get paid for this. But to have women that are stopping in the middle of a day, think about this. And, and they're learning Torah. Did your grandparents do it? I don't think so. Are we greater? Not necessarily. But they were so preoccupied. In Russia, they needed to spend four hours a day online to get a piece of bread. So God gave us the bracha that we don't have to spend hours online to get a piece of bread. So what are we doing with our time? And look at yourself. And that's the truth of all of us. As time goes on, we're only getting better. I'm not saying that we're perfect. We have to grow and we're going to grow. But look, look, Baruch Hashem. Uh, look how much tight is being learned. Uh, look how much mitzvahs are being done. God is getting all those mitzvahs because thank God, relative... We're not that preoccupied. So how much more mitzvahs will we do and how much more Torah will we do when God takes away more distractions and God makes it even better? And all of that is the image of Yemais HaMashiach. So that's a very good image to conclude with. That it's not about us getting rewarded. We're not waiting for Mashiach to get. We're waiting for Mashiach and we're waiting for Yemais HaMashiach for us to be able to give. I give now, first of all, we're giving now and we have to give more. But that's basically the whole cry. We want Mashiach now is another way of saying, God, take away all of my worries in order for me to do what I'm meant to do. Because you, you created me for a purpose. I know that I'm not fulfilling my purpose. Now, some of it I have to do on my own regardless. But that's on me. But on you, God, bring Mashiach. Bring about Yemaisa Mashiach. All right, Yidalach, I have to run. That was great. So I think...